My wife was born in Wyandotte, so she tells me this is God's country over here, right? And, uh, you know, and uh, she spent her early years in uh, Lincoln Park, right? So um, she, uh, she was bummed she couldn't be with me this weekend, but she assures me that go blue is what I'm supposed to say this morning, right? And uh, so they're off to a good start. But... We're going to talk this morning about an important topic, and the important topic we're going to talk about is um, how do we navigate life's challenges? And the reality is, if you sat with me, and and I'm a counselor throughout the week, I I lead a team at Biblical Counseling Center, uh, but if you sat with me throughout the week, and you sat in on all of my counseling sessions, you'd come away with uh, a couple conclusions. First of all, you'd come away with the conclusion that, that, you know, that you can pick your choices, but you can't always pick your consequences, right? You'd, you'd undeniably see that, that, uh, you know, what, people go through trials, and, and sometimes they're of their own making, and sometimes they're not of their own making, but, but you know what, the consequences don't always seem fair, but, but we have to deal with life's challenges and consequences. The second thing you would find is this. You would find that who your friends are when you're going through life's trials really makes a difference. You would find that having wise friends makes a major difference in the way that you respond to life's trials. And it's interesting, as a culture, um, you know, we have this, uh, we've kind of this obsession with uh, celebrities and watching celebrities both rise and watching celebrities fall, right? We, we find out the latest gossip and the latest news, whether, whether it's an athlete like Tiger Woods, whose life seems to be falling apart, or, or politicians, or, or whether a comedian like Bill Cosby. Like we, 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 we have this thing where we see people raise up and then we watch people fall down. And it's, it's just interesting for us to watch as the story unravels. Now, the truth is that Um, I don't want to talk about high-profile people this morning. I want us to imagine real quick that if we drew a a, a 10-mile radius around this church this morning and we went out and we started to interview people and we started to talk to people about what's going on and and, and life, when life is seemingly falling apart, what would we hear about? We'd hear about the husband who, who decided to leave it all for the greener pastures of adultery. We'd hear about a young man who who suddenly crashed and burned because he has an addiction out of control. We'd hear about a young person who cracks under pressure and is overtaken by self-injury or an eating disorder. We'd hear about people that are stuck at home because anxiety has so overtaken them that they can't seemingly do the normal things that they would love to do. And here's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at the book of Proverbs And Proverbs is this book about wisdom. It gives us wisdom about how to live our lives in successful ways under the kingdom of God. And and so it's it's this book that talks about scenarios in life. And, And like a good dad, Solomon is speaking to his sons. He's speaking and letting us listen in on the conversation. And he's saying, like, here's, if you embrace wisdom, here's the result, right? If you embrace foolishness, here's the likely result. Right? He, he's comparing and contrasting wise responses with foolish responses. And, and he's asking the challenge. He's asking and challenging us. Uh, will we embrace the wise path? 
In Proverbs 19.8, he writes it this way. In the King James, it says, He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. In the ESV, it says, Whoever gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. In the NIV, it says this, The the one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper. So, wisdom is important. It's important that we embrace wisdom. And particularly, what I want to talk about this morning is wisdom about friendships. What difference does it make in your life if you have wise friends? What difference does it make if, if you have people around you when you go through life's trials and you have people who have wisdom? So how do we get wisdom? Well, we get it from God, we get it from experience, and, and we get it from others. And, and today we're going to look at friendship. What, what does it mean to get wisdom through friendship? Here's what you realize. When you begin to walk alongside people whose lives are starting to unravel, you realize there's one common denominator that's almost always there. They were living a life in isolation. Not too many people knew what was about to happen. They were keeping it hidden. And healthy in Proverbs, what do we see? We, we, we see when we have no wise friends, um, we, we see that living without healthy friendships is not a place where we thrive. It's not wise to live a life in isolation apart from the input of wise friends. So it's interesting, as a counselor, one of the questions I ask those I counsel most often, I ask them the question, what do your wise friends say that you should do? So people come to me with a scenario, and they're coming to me with life's difficulties, and I ask them the question, what do your wise friends say that you should do? Now, I get three common responses to that. Some people scratch their head. And they're like, I have no idea who you're talking about, right? Like, there's no one in my life that I would ask this question to, right? I just don't have anybody in my life that I would consider a wise friend. I got buddies. I got girlfriends. But, but nobody who, who could help me with, it, with this kind of challenge and this kind of difficulty. Now, I also get the response, I don't agree with my wise friends. My wise friends say that I should do this. And I'm not convinced, I'm not sure that's a good idea. That's why I'm coming here to get a second opinion as to what I should do. And, and others that, that would say, well, I think I probably should do what they suggest. Now, here, here's what we're talking about this morning. How can this church be a place where deep friendship can be found and can thrive? Where, where, where you can find wisdom when you need it. The reality is when you talk about a counseling center, and Pastor and I have been dialoguing about uh, your vision to create a counseling center for the community, but both for this church community and even people outside the walls here, what, what is it really about? It's about the ability to find wisdom when you need it. When you're going through life's trials and going through life's difficulties, you need wise friends. You want to be the kind of friend and you want to have the kind of friend that sharpens iron the kind of friend that calls each other out when necessary, the kind of friend like Ecclesiastes, where we just read, helps you up when you fall down. And so um, I want you, if you've got your Bible, to uh, pre- open, open the book of Proverbs. Open the book of Proverbs. And we're going to start with four principles. The first is from Proverbs 20, verse 18. Proverbs 20, verse 18.
It's on 528 in your pew Bible, if you've got that. But it says this. Plans are established by seeking advice. So if you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, it's interesting. He's given a contrast. He's the leader of a country, and, and, and he's saying that before you go to war, you need to count the costs. Now, you think back the last 50 years of American conflict. Have we found that to be true? Have we found it, have we found it to be true that if you don't have all the information and you don't have the, the right plan from the beginning, that, that you create a significant problem for your country? The lives that were lost and the dollars that were spent based upon getting some of the information wrong. And I'm not blaming that on anyone. It's a hard challenge that everyone has to navigate who's in leadership. But we don't have to look back further than the last few decades to realize that the cost of not getting wise counsel regarding going to war is very costly. Now, I want to apply that principle to us kind of more personally here. Do churches thrive best when teams of people work together? Of course they do. When everyone, you, you use your gift and you use your ability to, to get the right input. Well, why? Because it increases the chances of getting the right input, the right wisdom, the right guidance. What about your family and your marriage? Do marriages work best when people seek the input from each other? When spouses care to listen to one another and, and seek input from one another? Well, of course. It increases the chances that you get the right answer when, when you realize that two are better than one and that God brought two people together and, and he gives you the opportunity to work together. It increases the chances of getting the right input. What, what about children? Do children work best when they seek the input from their parents? And all the parents are shaking their head going, yes, right? Um, the kids aren't quite so sure on that answer. They're like, let me think about that, right? But, but the reality is I think we all learn and we grow and we know. That parents, um, the, the parents have something to give, and children work best when, when, when they get the input of their parents. What, what about in your workplace? Do bosses work best when they get the input of their employees? Well, it's very frustrating to work for a boss who doesn't care what you think, right? There are some bosses like that. Yet, yet ultimately, the principle applies across all of life, and, and it's this, that when you have wise friends in your life, it increases your chances of success. It increases the, the, the chance that you have to get the answer right. And, and Proverbs makes it clear, we're fools when we go about major decisions in life alone. Wise people seek the input of trusted friends. Now, the second principle is, is found in, in verse 29 of Proverbs 20. Verse 29, look down there real quick. The glory of young men is their strength, but gray hair is the splendor of the old. So here, here's the principles they're laying out, and I'm not going to make you self-identify who the gray hair people are in the room, okay? Like, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting close there myself. Like, you know, the police officer put, put, put gray hair on the ticket, and I was offended, right? But, uh, uh, you know, um, I, I should have uh, been driving slower, right? But uh, that's how you know you're getting old when the, your hair is no longer brown. He's like, um, your driver's license is incorrect, sir, right? Um, but uh, here's what he says. He says, young men work harder, but old men work smarter. 
He's drawing a contrast, right? He's saying old men know how to get the job done, but, but old, younger men, they, they, they work harder. They put, they put in a longer hours, more physical labor. But, but there's a difference in their wisdom level. Now, here's the question that this begs for a church. Is this church a place where wisdom is accessible to people who need it? Do you know who you would ask if you were going through life's trials and difficulties? Are you connected to people in your life that could give you wise counsel and wise wisdom who know you, who know your family, who know your situation? Is this church a place where it's accessible? If you have gray hair in here, and you have maturity, and you have life experience, are you sharing your wisdom and your life experience with the younger generation, I love the fact that when I look out at this congregation, that, that I see both young and old. It's a healthy thing for a church. Right? It's a healthy thing to see both the older generation and the younger generation. But the reality is that, that we need each other. The younger generation lives in, in, in a world that's different than the world you grew up in. Right? They, they can share some perspectives and things about the way the world works now that, that would be helpful. But the older generation has this life of wisdom and, and hopefully maturity that they can share with the younger generation. And the reality is that we've got to listen to one another. We, we, we've got to be willing to benefit from one another. And, and the things that we do differently and the things that we do um, are the same. If you have gray hair and maturity, are you sharing it? Are you friends with young people who need wisdom? What about people from other ethnic origins and other backgrounds? What about people from other stages of life, young and old? What about the person in here who survived cancer? Who's had a special needs child or, or who's had their marriage restored? The person who's been through being widowed or a widower? The person who's fought off addiction and now can say with confidence that God does change people. Do you know what a benefit you could provide to that young man who is struggling with addiction, who's wondering if it's ever possible to be free? The pain and difficulty that God brings us through is to be used to be able to share wisdom and comfort to other people. So when we think about even a counseling center, part of the thing that we're looking at is, is saying, what are the needs of this community, of this church, and this community at large, and what are the backgrounds and stories that you have to tell so that you can be of help to people who are going through life's challenges and difficulties? And the reality is that some of you in here have a story to tell. You have a story to tell of God's redemption and change in your life, and God wants you to share that story. And so perhaps you're going to be someone who's going to be counseling and helping people who, who are experiencing the same exact pain and trial and difficulty that you've been through. I want to give you a story that illustrates. I was a youth pastor prior to being, prior to being a counselor, and uh, I was called one Friday afternoon, and it was from a desperate mom, and she's crying on the other end of the line, and she said, please pray for my daughter. She's just been in an accident. And she was on an ATV, and, and her and another boy were, were rushed to the hospital. And the reality is that um, she didn't make it. At 15 years old, a mom was preparing for a funeral. And she asked me to come and, and to help with this funeral. And, and so I went down with a group of kids from our youth group, and uh, we were able to participate in, in the funeral and, and to bring some comfort to the family. Yet... 
nobody wants to be in that position, right? Nobody wants to be in the position of losing a teenager, right? My, my youngest son starts driver's ed today, right? So this afternoon, literally, he's going to be in his first driver's ed class. And, um, and, and the reality is it makes you think as a parent, doesn't it? Makes you think, like, is he going to be safe? Is he going to, be, is he going to abide by the law? Is he going to drive better than I do? Hopefully, right? But, but is, he, um, is he going to be uh, wise? Now, this mom had gone through this horrific experience of losing a daughter. And, and one of the things that she did was she started to take notice of other families that lose, child, lose children in auto accidents and other accidents. And she began to write letters. And she began to write letters to moms who went through the same kind of situation she went through. And she said, I know what it's like. Here's the story of my daughter. And if you would like somebody to talk to, here's my number. Now, do you think people called? Well, they called. Now, why? Because they wanted to know, like, is the pain ever going to end? Is the difficulty ever going to end? Like, will it always feel like this? Will will life ever return back to normal? And the reality is that life doesn't return back to normal when you lose a teenage child. It's always hard. But, but, But you can find that God is sweet and God is good and that God's got a purpose for your life despite the pain. And so that was the message that she was able to deliver, and she was able to give people hope in the Lord because she was willing to put herself in a position where she said, I'm willing to talk to people who are going through it. Now, none of us wants to sign up for that ministry, right? Nobody would want to sign up for that ministry. Nobody would willingly sign up for a ministry of dealing with that. Yet, wise friends increase our perspective. They're able to help us. And so God gives you a story and God brings you through hurt for a purpose. He, he wants you to share your perspective. Flip over to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. We're going to find the third principle. Proverbs 13, verse It says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. So what do wise friends protect us from? Wise friends protect us from suffering harm. Wise friends are a hedge of protection around us. I was counseling some years back with a Christian college graduate. And if I told you the name of the college, many people would have heard of it. But it was, uh, it was a well-known uh, college, and, and he, he was an executive at a, at a well-known company. If I told you the name of the company, you'd probably heard of it too. And um, after a stressful week where he was working on landing a multi-million dollar deal, he found out on Friday morning that he got it. So he got a multi-million dollar deal that was going to be good for him, and it was going to be good for his company, and it was going to be good for his career. And, and so he took off early on Friday afternoon and, and went home to kind of take the rest of the weekend easy. And um, by 5 o'clock, his wife found him passed out, drunk, upstairs in their bedroom. And what, what started out as one drink became two, became three, became four. And, and the reality is that um, it, it became... Um, it became an embarrassing situation for her, and, and, and she, she graciously comforted him. But he, when, when he came to me, it was pretty evident of this. He had no wise friends that he talked to on a regular basis. And um, 
And, and he realized that golfing or fishing would have been a better way to blow off steam and celebrate on a Friday afternoon. It would have been better for him to go do something that was productive rather than, you know, just to uh, start to have a few drinks and, and, and think he was just going to relax. And, and he wanted to know, like, why do I, why did I choose that? Like, why do I keep sticking with this pattern? Why, why do I keep um, being stuck in the same, you know, behavior over and over and over again? And we were able to talk it through. Now, I want you to think about another scenario. I want you to think about the young person who might be sitting in your living room who thinks that a young woman thinks that she can tame her hothead boyfriend if she marries him. If she just marries this guy, he'll change. Now, it's interesting. Whenever I give this illustration right away, some of the older people in the congregation begin to instinctively shake their head no. Right? And I can see it, right? I can see people's heads start to go back and forth because they're like, it doesn't really work like that, right? It doesn't work like that, that somehow the 22-year-old who, who's a hothead, who's, who's abusive with his words and perhaps other ways, somehow changes because he gets married. He doesn't become a better person just because he gets married. And, and if she thinks that she can change him by getting married, she's going to be sorely disappointed. And the reality is that she needs to see the changes before she gets married. And I think all of us would agree that that would be the wisest course of action. Right? You think about the friend who constantly is trying to get rich through get-rich-quick get schemes. Right? They're always on to a new scenario by which they're going to get they're going to get wealth, right? They're going to make it like it, it's the new six-figure thing that is guaranteed to work. And, and you're like, okay, I'm not sure that that's going to be a wise investment of your time and energy. You might be better off trying to work really hard at your job and get promoted, right? You might be better off delivering pizzas, but like, like I've seen the way these things go. You think about the young person who thinks they can party all the time. It's during college. That's what college kids do. College kids just party all the time. And, and when I'm done with college and I grow up and I get a real job, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do these things anymore. And, and all of us, we, we begin to kind of shake our head go, life doesn't really work like that. We, we have too many examples to the contrary. And, and so what do wise friends do? Wise friends protect us from harm. They speak a word of encouragement and a word of correction and, and a word of challenge. And the truth is that we need wise friends. We need wise friends who, who are in our life who can help us to see the, the wisdom and the choices that we make. Fourth principle is in Proverbs, back to Proverbs 18. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. In the ESV, it says a man of many companions may come to ruin. But there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The word companion and unreliable friends, if we were to put it in today's vernacular and culture, might be a man who has a lot of Facebook friends. How many Facebook friends could you call at 2 in the morning? And they would want to hear you from you. Well, not too many on our list, probably, right? There's not too many people that we could actually reach out to and, and, and 
that we could rely upon in any significant way. So he said that a man of many companions comes to ruin, the, the unreliable friends, it's lots of buddies. But there is that friend, the one who speaks for God into our life. It's a friend who represents Christ in our life. It's the friend who reminds us of the need for the cross and the good news. It's the friend who reminds us of the good news of the gospel when we're down. It's a friend who pushes into our stubbornness and helps us to get going again. Do you have that kind of friend? Do you have a friend who's encouraging you spiritually to grow, who's walking alongside you, who is committed to your good, who's committed to helping you become the person that God wants you to be? Do you have those kind of friends? And Proverbs is holding out for us the benefit and saying, like, there's these friends that sticks closer than a brother. And we need to have them. And you know what the truth is? It's hard to have that kind of friend. It's hard to be that kind of friend. There isn't many people in our life that could be that kind of friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yet, Proverbs is calling us to pursue friendships, to pursue wisdom, to, to, to be known. And Facebook friends are not enough. We need friends that are closer than a brother. The, there's one other point that, that is made here in chapter 18, and, and really it's a warning. And so on the bottom of your notes, um, I don't think I have a PowerPoint slide, but, but it's a warning if we reject the need for wise friends. Proverbs gives us a warning. And he says this in Proverbs 18.1. Just listen. It says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. So he's saying the person who listens, who lives alone and lives in isolation will inevitably end up pursuing whatever he wants in the moment, but it often will not be wise. That that, that if we live in isolation and we don't have wise people in our life, we, we are prone to pursuing foolishness. And, and the author of Proverbs is warning us. He's saying this. Living in isolation will eventually make you look foolish. And, and he, he's asking you to choose. Will you, will you embrace the wisdom of having wise friends? Will you embrace that wisdom with your own life? And so living in isolation makes you look foolish, but, but having wise friends makes you uh, thrive. So I want to ask the question here as we kind of finish out this morning. I want to ask the question, how can this church be a place where wise friendships are found, where they're kept, and where they thrive? Catch those three words. How can this church be a place where wise friendships are found? How do we keep wise friendships? What do we have to do if we're going to keep friendships alive And then ultimately, what do we have to do if our friendships are going to be valuable? They're going to thrive. And so, um, again, we're going to look at Proverbs, and we're going to ask a a couple of questions about the ways that friendships work. Um, The first is in Proverbs 17, verse 1. Proverbs 17, verse 1. Solomon here gives an illustration that, that comes right from many of our houses And he's giving this uh, probably from personal experience, knowing the story of Solomon. But but he says, 
you know, better is a dry crust with peace and quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. A dry crust, you think of a saltine cracker, right? Like, uh, there's just not much substance or taste there, right? You taste the salt, but like, you know, it might be good if you put it in some soup, but it's not good for much else, right? Not offending anybody if you like saltines, sorry, but Ritz are better, okay? You know, the golden, you know, the golden buttery Ritz, right? Much better cracker, right? Um, but what, what's the point? He, he's challenging us that we need to choose to be friendly. So you think about this church. Is this a friendly church? Is this a place where people come in and they experience friendship, where they're able to connect with others? And, and, and you've listed in the announcements this morning a whole bunch of places where you can connect. And, and I would tell you, if you're looking for friends, like getting involved and getting plugged into various areas, whether it's small groups or Bible studies or, or women's studies or men's studies, uh, God's, God wants you to find friendships in those places, and that's a great place to start. But beyond that, when people walk in here on Sunday morning, is this church a friendly place? Like, if you're grumpy when you come to church, can you realize again the good news of the gospel that we're here to celebrate? We sung about it this morning. We're, we're celebrating the good news. And it's, it's enough to give us a smile on our face and recognize we've been forgiven, and we can take joy in that. We can live that out in our friendships. So, so the first thing is, we, we have to choose to be friendly. If you're going to be a church where friendships are found and kept and thrive, you have to choose to be friendly intentionally rather than choosing strife. Now, what's the next thing? Go down to verse 9. Choose to be forgiving. Whoever would foster love covers an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. So choosing to be forgiving, there's no lasting friendships without forgiveness. Do you get that? You can't be in a tight, close relationship with people who really know you and, they, and, and you know them without needing to forgive sometimes. And some people, revenge feels more natural than forgiveness. And I think all of us in, in, in our uh, in our state without God, if we're not living a spirit-filled life, that, that's probably all of us, that revenge feels more natural than forgiveness. It might feel more natural than forgiveness in your home, with your kids, or, or, or with your uh, in-laws. But choosing to be forgiving, there's no lasting friendships without forgiveness. You will never forgive more than God has forgiven you. Do you get that? Do you believe that? You will not forgive anyone more than God has forgiven you. And God's given you enough forgiveness uh, for all of eternity. So take the risk and forgive. So if this is going to be a place where, where friendships make an impact, you're going to have to choose to forgive. Proverbs 27.6 gives another principle here. Proverbs 27.6. This principle is called choose to be frank. Choose to be frank. Here's why I use that word. Follow along as I read here. It says, wounds from an enemy can be trusted, but, but a friend multiplies kisses. Some people look at me confused. And they're like, you just messed up that verse, right? That's how we'd like it to read. But, but the reality is, what, what does it really read? It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. The reality is that it's teaching us that, that when friends tell us the truth, 
it's really valuable. And sometimes enemies will just tell us what we want to hear. It, it portrays that as kisses, right? Like they don't really care enough to tell us the truth. Now here's the question in some respects. Like, do, do you have people in your life who can tell you the truth? It's very important that we're wise with our words, but what, how, and when we speak the truth all matter. But being frank is about being bold. It's about risking a relationship at times to speak the truth. Like, are you bold with anyone? But more importantly, is anyone bold with you? Does anyone have the, have the privilege to speak the truth to you with immunity where, where you're going to say, you know what, I want to hear it. I want to hear what I need to do. I want to hear what I need to, to, to change. I want you to speak into my life, and I want you to give me wisdom and experience from your life. And choosing to be frank is, is having this friendship where you can just speak the truth with one another without worrying about what each other thinks. You say we love each other that much that, that when I'm stupid, you can tell me. And when you're stupid, I'm going to tell you. Right? Well, it, it's a risk to do that, isn't it? Is it a risk to have that kind of relationship and have that kind of friendship? But I tell you that it's a blessing to have people in your life who tell you when you're screwing up. It's a blessing in your life from the Lord if you're willing to see it that way. If you have people who can tell you when you're doing the wrong thing, when you're not seeing a complete perspective, who are willing to challenge and help you, and choosing to be frank is, is choosing to, to enable people in your life to be bold, to, to care for you. Next principle is from Proverbs 27.10. Proverbs 27.10 says, Do not forsake your friend or friend of your family, and do not go into your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And it's choosing to be family. It's interesting, as our culture has uh, shifted and changed, and, and one of the things that you find is that most young people don't grow up in the town uh, that they were born in, right? And most people don't work and, and relocate to the town that they went to high school in. And you know what? People are, are more transient and moving around than probably ever before. Now, what's the opportunity for the church in, in this culture? Well, people need family. People need family. And, and the reality is that, that some, of, some of you, your kids live far away. And some of you, your parents live far away. And, and the church is an opportunity to be family. And God actually uses that metaphor. And he says, you know what, when you have loving parents and you have kids that follow underneath, like that there's something sweet and good about that. And when we think about wisdom, when you think about the wisdom that you have to share, we need friends. Hospitality is more of a ministry opportunity than ever. Having someone to your front porch for coffee Meeting them at a coffee shop if you're young, or, or, or you know whatever your your style is, but it's about relationships, getting to know people. Can I just challenge the older people in the room? The younger people want to know your wisdom. They might stare at their phones too much, but they still want to know your wisdom. More young people are going to get their wisdom from Instagram than from gray hair, and the reality is the church should be different. 
The church ought to be a place where people say, you know what, that godly older woman, that godly older man, like I want to know more what he has to say than, than people who are on my social media feed. Because I've seen the way that he lives his life. I see the way that he loves his wife. Right? And when you, when you know somebody loves his wife to the end, well, the truth is that if you're a young dad, you should want to learn from him. What, what did it take to have a marriage that loved for 50 years? Well, if you're five years into marriage, you should want to know the answer to that question. Be, because that can help you choosing to be family, choosing to benefit from one another. Last one, Proverbs 17, 17, choosing to be faithful, choosing to be faithful. Proverbs 17, 17 says this, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. The reality is that some friends will come and go, but deep friendship takes a commitment over the long haul. The truth is that Proverbs 17, 17 has been this allusion not only to the friendships that we have in life, but also to the friendship that we have in God, in Jesus. And Jesus ultimately is that faithful friend that won't turn his back on you. But Jesus Jesus is the one that we can trust uh, the most. But we need people who represent Jesus in our life. We need people who remind us of what Jesus did for us on the cross the forgiveness that he offers, in the fellowship and the friendship that he wants with us. We need those kind of people who will be faithful to us. You can't always go to the next stage of life with everybody in your current stage, but we don't need, we don't need to be the, the individualistic ideal of American culture. That might work economically, but it doesn't work spiritually. And you and God will not be as strong as you, God, and others. You, you need others to grow. You need faithful friends. So here, here's my challenge this morning. I want you to evaluate your friendships. How would you answer the question, do I have wise friends? Do you have wise friends? Do you have anybody that, that you've talked to this week that's a friend, and you're like, okay, like, they got wisdom. They got more wisdom than the guy talking to me on TV, right? We can get our wisdom from all sorts of crazy places, but... Ultimately, we need wise friends. So evaluate your friendships. The second challenge is this, for some of you. Expand your friendships. Do others need your wisdom and support? Part of what excites me about a counseling center in a church like this is the fact that some of you with a story to share can become friends with people in need and give them help and hope in their time of need. And what a great thing for a church to be known in its community as a place where you can get help and hope in your time of need, where you can get wisdom that fits the moment at the time that you need it. Like God is pleased when a church is able to uh, organize itself and care for its community in that way. We all need wise friends. Do you have one? And are you willing to be one? Let's pray together. God, I thank you that we have the opportunity to gather this morning to think about your word, to hear from you, to examine the principles, and to think about how we can apply that in healthy ways. God, we are grateful that you've been a friend to us. And God, we'd ask that we'd be, be able to find those kind of friends 
that represent you well. We need to be able to be that kind of friend that represents you well. And ultimately, we'd be grateful for the love that you've shown us. God, use this time this morning for good. In your name, amen.